that it was able to work out. I have uh, my mentor, the guy who taught me about church planting. If you're ever like, what's wrong with Horizon? It's his fault because he taught me how to start churches. David Pearson's here all the way from Missouri, and I'm thrilled that we could get him here. And uh, so David, come on up, and he's going to speak for us. And every time I've ever heard David, it's been great. So if it's bad this time, we won't have him back. I know it's going to be great. Thanks so much for being here, David. You're welcome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, I was excited to be here, and then uh, Alex just said that Horizon's not here because of the training he got through the years, and I'm like, well, then what role am I playing? Apparently, I did absolutely nothing. No, man, I'm excited to be here, and uh, I met Alex and Darby about four years ago, a little over four years ago, and uh, just to be honest with you, when I met them, I thought, man, I'm not sure this couple's going to make it, because Alex was so quiet. Like, we spent a, a couple of days in a van, and I bet I didn't say, hear him say 15 words, and I'm like, man, I just don't know. Um, and so, but it was, I, I believe God was calling him and I could see that. I saw his heart. I saw his passion, even though he's quiet and I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. And so over the years, um, I would meet with Alex about, I don't know, every couple weeks and my girls made fun of me. I'll tell the story just real quick. My girls made fun of me because every time I would meet with Alex, I would go home and I would go, man, I just really like Alex. I just... Um, I wasn't sure we'd connect, but I just really, I like him, I like his heart, I like the things he's doing, I like the way he thinks, and so uh, my girls just, every time I see him and I mention Alex's name, they'll go, Dad, do you like Alex? And so uh, that's just kind of the running joke in our family, and so I have a great deal of respect for Alex and Darby, I love their hearts, I love their passion, I love what God is doing at Horizon Community Church, and I am super honored to be here and to share with you. I spent 18 years in Philadelphia. Um, it is honestly home for us. We grew up in Missouri. My wife and I grew up in Missouri. We're now back in Missouri ministering at a church. But after being 18 years here, this is home. Um, I was at the 2008 Phillies Super World Series Parade. Uh, I came back from Missouri just to be here for the Eagles Super Bowl Parade because I wasn't going to miss that. I am a diehard uh, Eagles and Phillies and Flyers and Sixers fan. So this is home. My, two of my daughters were born here. And so it's just great to be back. This is family to us. Um, we may have blood relatives in Missouri, but this is family to us. And so it is so good to be here and with you. Uh, as we look today, uh, I just want to kind of share a little bit of, I know what Alex's heart is and what I, I, my heart is, and, and it's just cool to be able to do this together. Is It's not about living a religious life. It's about having a relationship with God and how that changes everything. Uh, just recently, I'm looking to go back to school and work on some, some additional schooling. And so one of the things they had me do is to write a reflection paper on my life. And so I had to write kind of this autobiographical essay. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how terrible and boring is this? And my ministry experiences and evaluations of them. And as I was doing this and just kind of looking back over my life and realizing the different things, I realized that how important it is my relationship with Jesus and that my hope comes from him, my strength comes from him. Uh, he is my guide, he's my friend, he's my peace and my joy. And in my life, and my wife and I's life, we've been married uh, 29 years, 28 years. At the end of this year will be 29. We've had a lot of ups and downs. We've gone through some good times and some bad times. We've had some really dark times. We've had struggles, we've had fears, and we've had doubts. But through it all, I know that Jesus has always been with me because of my relationship with him. And even when I look back to my college years 
Um, during that time, I really kind of just pulled away from everything God-related. I, I quit going to church. I quit reading my Bible. I was going to a Baptist college, and I'm like, the heck with all of this. And so I really pulled back from everything and just kind of walked away from God, walked away from church, um, and just kind of was trying to do life my way with my plans and what I wanted in my life. And then in the midst of that, I began to look at all these other students around me who were walking with a relationship with God, and I saw a peace and a joy in them that I didn't have. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to do life my way. You would think that would make me happy, but man, it wasn't. There was just no joy and peace in my life. And so I began to look at them going, what's different from them? And I was actually on a mission trip in Brazil, and I'm going, man, I just have so much um, frustration and unhappiness, and, and I've got all these goals and plans, but it is not bringing me any peace and joy. And so I began to look at them and go, what's wrong with me compared to them? And I realized is that they were walking in a relationship with Jesus that I was not. And so I came back from that, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix my life. I'm going to get better. I'm going to live better. And once I do all that type stuff, then I can go back to church. You know what I realized? I can't fix my life. I can't get better on my own. And so I was working so hard to do this and I was making no progress because I couldn't fix my life. It wasn't me that could do it. And so I decided that I was going to swallow my pride and I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to go back to Jesus and I'm going to try it again. And I realized that God loved me right where I was in the midst of my mess and my muck and the junk of my life, that I didn't have to fix me to be in a relationship with God. God loved me right where I was, and he wanted to do the work inside of me. Today we're going to look at a scripture, and I don't usually title my, my messages. I'm not very good at that. I, I always try to be creative and come up with these cool titles, and I don't ever do it. But if I were to title today's message, it would be a two-word title, that's really kind of the key verse or key words in the verses we're going to look at today. And to me, it's the major relationship that changes things between religion and, and a relationship with God. And these two words are, but God, because God changes everything. Jesus changes everything. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. I tell you, I'm a crummy pastor. I uh, was on the flight here, and I reached down in my bag, and I'm going, going to preach at Horizon. I didn't bring a Bible with me. Luckily, I have my phone, which is what I use anyway. But um, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses. Paul is writing. Uh, Paul was an apostle, a follower of Jesus, and he uh, was actually a pretty crummy dude most of his life. Uh, he tried to live a very religious life. But as he believed others weren't doing the right things, he would allow them to be stoned and killed. And he was kind of a persecutor of the church. But then Jesus came into his life and it changed everything. And so Paul went from being religious to having that relationship. And now he's writing to these churches and he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind. But here's where everything changes. Verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like these because, again, you see this transition of somebody trying to live the religious life, and it doesn't necessarily work because we all have sin in our lives. That's really what verses 1 through 3 talk about is that we all have sin in our lives. Uh, Paul even writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all messed up. Don't think that the church and Jesus are for perfect people. Because the church is not for perfect people. It's for real people. It's for messed up people who need Jesus. I remember I pastored a church one time and a, a lady walked up to me and she said, man, I know that church people are messed up. I always know that, but you didn't ever really see it in most of the churches I've gone to because people always kind of look good and look like they had it together. But at this church, it's like everybody wears their problems on their sleeve and I know they're messed up. And I looked at her and I said, well, thank you. That means a lot to me that people feel that way here at the church. And, and she just kind of gave me this puzzled look like, I didn't mean that as a compliment, but I'm glad you maybe took it as one because church isn't about being looking good and putting on the fake mask and like we have life together. Church is, is like a hospital where we come in sick and we get to spend time with the, the doctor, God, and he gets to heal us and work in our lives and we get to go out and we get to live a healthy life because of who he is and what he's done in our lives. We aren't any better than anybody else just because we come to church on Sunday morning. We're all messed up people in need of Jesus. And so don't think that church people are perfect people because only Jesus is perfect. We're all spiritually dead due to sin. I'm going to show my age here a little bit. How many of you have seen the movie Princess Bride? There you go. So you remember in the movie Princess Bride, Wesley has been injured and, and he is brought before Miracle Max, uh, the, who is Billy Crystal's character, and they think he's dead. And they're like, oh, we've been on this whole adventure and we think Wesley's dead. What are we going to do? And, and Miracle Max looks at him and he's at the, the others and he says, it turns out your friend here is only mostly dead. See, mostly dead is still slightly alive. And it's kind of the, the funny part of the, the movie where, oh, he's not dead, he's mostly dead. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Spiritually, we're all dead. It's just because we've all messed up in our lives. Spiritually, there isn't a mostly dead. There's a dead and there's an alive. And the only thing that makes us spiritually alive is Jesus. And so a lot of times we like to think, if I go to church, 
then maybe I'm mostly dead and slightly alive. We think if I read my Bible enough, maybe I'm not fully dead. Maybe I'm just mostly dead, but I'm slightly alive. If I, if I do good things, does that make me slightly alive? Spiritually, there isn't a, a mostly and, and not quite or a fully dead. There's you're dead or we're alive. And we're all dead. So don't sit here and go, man, what's wrong with me? No, we're all that way. That's the way we're born. But God. Because the only way to be as spiritually alive is through Jesus. And without him, we're all completely spiritually dead. But God loves us so much, he doesn't leave us in that place. And that's why I like that verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy and because of his great love for us. God loves us right where we are. In the midst of messes, in the midst of mistakes, in the midst of things that you're like, man, how can God love me? He does because he's a God of love. That defines who he is. That's part of his character. And so all of us in the midst of our messes and walks through life and, and are maybe doubting God and maybe running from God and maybe rejecting God, he still looks at you right where you are and he says, I love you because of my mercy and my great love. It says he made us alive with Christ, he raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. I saw this this weekend, and I, I'm not a Greek scholar. Never, I took my two semesters of Greek for seminary that I was required to take, and I know zero of it. I have a Greek Bible, couldn't read it if I had to. Um, I'm not saying that's wrong or bad, it's just not, it's not the way I work. But as I was studying this week, the word here where it says that we're made alive with Christ and we're raised up with Christ and we're seated with Christ. That word with that's there is actually a Greek word where we get the word synchronized or synced. So we're synced with Christ. Now, I'm not a techie dude, but I know that if I sync my iPhone up with my Mac computer. What was originally on my computer shows up on my phone. I don't know how it works. I don't know how they do it. Don't really care as long as it works, as long as it does it. When, when I buy a song in one place and I sync them together, it's in both places. When I put an event on my calendar on my phone, I go to the office, I open up my computer, it's on my calendar. They're synced together. Amazes me how that works, but it does. And, and what Paul is writing here is that we're synced with Jesus because of God's love and mercy. We can be synced with him. We're spiritually dead, but when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're synced with him and made alive. I don't get it. How does that work? That we go from being dead to being alive. I've never seen anybody move from being dead to being alive. Except for spiritually because of Jesus. Because we can be synced with him. When I trusted and believed in Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, in essence, I was raised from the dead with him. I moved from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. 
when it says that we are uh, raised up with Christ and we're seated with him in the heavenly places and, and Jesus overcame the power of sin, because I can be synced with Jesus, I can overcome the power of sin in my life. Now, don't hear me that that means I don't ever sin, because that ain't true. But the power of sin doesn't control my life because I can be synced with Jesus. Have you ever thought of yourself being synced with Jesus? Dude, when I read that this weekend, man, it just like blew my mind going, I can be synced with Jesus because of my faith and trust in him. How does this happen? How can we be synced with Jesus? It tells us in these, the ends of the verses we looked at in this Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. It says, for grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How do we become synced with Jesus? By grace, through faith. Not of our own doing. Religion says earn it, work for it. Relationship says grace and gift. Nothing that we earn. I actually have tattooed on my shoulder up here, grace alone and faith alone. Because I see that every day and it's a reminder to me that I didn't earn, just as we sang in that song, Reckless Love, we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but God. In his love and his grace and his mercy. Man, that's mind-blowing to me. That no matter where I'm at, no matter what mistakes I've made, no matter how far I've ran from God, no matter how many times I've said, God, I want to do it my way, he still looks at me and goes, I love you. I'm a God of grace. I'm a God of second chances. I'm a God of third chances. I'm a God of fourth chances. I'm a God of 252nd chances. I'm a God of 710,000 chances because I'm a God of grace and I'm a God of love and a God of mercy. We can be synced with Jesus because of grace and a relationship with God. It is a gift that he gives us. And the only thing that we have to do is accept that gift. We don't have to earn salvation. We don't have to earn relationship with him. It's a gift. He's like, I love you. I want to give you a relationship. Religion says do. Relationship says accept, trust, and believe. It's the difference between religion and relationship. We don't even have to understand all of it. God doesn't force faith on us. He doesn't force us to accept grace and relationship. Because, again, that's not a relationship. He offers it to us. So then what? What's all this mean? How does this apply to our lives? It says all we have to do is trust and believe and accept his gift. That's faith. We may not understand it, just like I don't understand how, I can, how they sync things from my phone to my computer. I don't know how that works. I don't understand how I can be synced with Jesus. It doesn't make sense. That's the part that's a little bit of faith. We can't you know, make, draw a little picture and a diagram of all of it. But that's the way God operates. He says, trust me. Believe in me. 
accept my gift. I want to be in a relationship with you. Nothing that we can do to earn it so that none of us can boast. None of us can boast. None of us are any better than anybody else out on any of these streets. I was talking with somebody recently about some things in their life, and they said, uh, Dad, I know that, or is my daughter, I guess I gave that one away there. <laughs> they said, she said, Dad, um, I know that if I do certain things that you think I'm a bad person. I'm like, baby, I think we're all bad people. But God, and because of Jesus and what he did for us and the desire to be in a relationship, he loves us. I didn't, I'm not better. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make me better. But God loves me. And I've accepted that gift of grace. And we have to accept it by faith. Realizing that we didn't earn it. It's nothing because of us. And then we get to begin living the good works that God created for us. And a lot of times we see this and say, wait, 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 wait a minute. You said it's not by works we're saved. But you're saying now we're supposed to do good works. And it's how we look at these. And I read this this week. Works are not the root of our salvation. They're the fruit of our salvation. The roots cause the growth. We're saved by grace. But the fruit of our relationship with God is that we get to work and serve him and bring glory to God's name. We're called to love God and love others. To be the hands and feet of Jesus so that others can hear and experience the gift of the grace of God. Relationship changes us from the inside out. Religion says for you to change your behavior and your actions. A relationship with God says God's going to change your heart. He's going to give you hope. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you peace. He gives you a purpose. It's not the outward actions. It's God working in your heart. It's not religion. It's a relationship with a Savior. I think a beautiful example of this is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. When a father has two sons, and one of them, the youngest one, says, God, or says Dad, you're going to eventually die, and um, I'm going to get your inheritance, my part of it, but I don't really want to wait for it. Like, I got plans now. Don't make me wait till you die. Like, I'm ready to do things now. Man, that's been my life. Patience is not one of my strengths. I've quit even praying for it, because if I pray for it, God tries to grow it in me. I'm not sure I want to grow in patience. That's not what I like to do. I like to go. And I kind of relate to this guy. He's like, Dad, I know this is coming, but can I do it now? Can I have my money now? Because so, I want to go and I want to live my way. I got my plans. I know where I want to go. I'm going to go make friends. I got all these things I want to do. And, and so the dad says, sure, I'll give it to you. You can go. And the son goes and he blows it all. He throws parties and people come to these parties and he just lavishly lives and throws the money away and is just living a, a life of just what he thinks is happiness. But when the money runs out, he realizes that so are the friends. They're no longer there. And he begins to go, so what, how am I going to live now? 
And he gets to the point that he's even feeding the pigs and eating what the pigs are eating because he has no other way to live. And he, he kind of gets to the bottom of the barrel one night and he, he kind of goes, man, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. I know my dad has, has servants and people who work for him and they're living better than I am. Maybe I'll just go back and I'll ask my dad if I can be a servant for him. At least then I get to eat better. And so he plans this speech out in his head. I, I'm going to go up. I'm, dad, I love you. I, know, I messed up. And I know that you don't, I shouldn't forgive me. But would you just forgive me enough and let me be a servant? Let me live at your place and, and eat what your servants. I don't need to be your son again. And so he goes through this whole speech and he practices it. And then he comes to the point that he goes home. And he's, he's on his way home. I can just imagine him walking along the road. He can see the house off in the distance. And he's like, okay, Dad, I've messed up. Okay, oh, wait a minute. How do I want to start this? Dad, uh, I, I've done things wrong. And he's just practicing. And standing on the porch is his father watching. As soon as he sees him coming, he runs off the porch. And he goes out to meet the son along the road. And he looks at the son, he wraps his arms around me and says, son, you're home. And the son's like, but dad, I know I've messed up. And his dad's like, no, no, I love you. You're my son. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were gone, but now you're home. Man, I love you. Come and be my son. We're going to throw a feast. We're going to have a party. It's going to be great. And the son's like, but dad, because he wanted to earn his dad's love again. And it's called The Prodigal Son, but I really think it should be called, and there's a book by this title called Prodigal God, because the word prodigal means wasteful or recklessly extravagant. And while the son lived that way, the father loved that way. It wasn't based upon what the son had done. When the son showed up, he loved extravagantly. He loved recklessly. He gave it all away. He gave them the best of clothes. He killed the fatted calf, and they had a big old stinking party because the son was home. That's a dad who showed grace to his son. That's the way God looks at us. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. You don't have to earn my love. You don't have to do certain spiritual acts. I love you where you are. Will you believe Will you accept my gift of grace? We have a God who offers a relationship to us, not by our actions, but by his love and his mercy and his grace. We sang the song, Reckless Love. We're going to sing it again, just a reminder of who God is and his love for us. And it's a gift of grace because he wants a relationship with you. And you can't earn it or deserve it because you're spiritually dead. Not mostly dead. We're spiritually dead. But he says, I'm going to sync you up with Jesus because of my grace if you'll believe in me and accept a gift. A gift we don't earn or deserve, but he offers. Let me pray first. Father, I thank you for today and I thank you that you're a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy and Father I thank you that even when I've messed up so many times that you don't give up on me that you continue to love me and extend to me grace and mercy Father help all of us realize that 
While some of us may be spiritually dead, we all were spiritually dead. And the only thing that makes us alive, it's not anything we do, except for accepting your gift of grace. Father, if we're here this morning and we've not done that, if we've not accepted that gift of grace, help us to hear your voice and to be willing to step out in faith and trust you. God, help us to realize that each day, all of us live by grace. Because we all mess up each every day. But you don't quit loving us, and we can't earn back our relationship with you because we never lost our relationship with you. It's a gift that you gave us because of who you are as a God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy. Father, thank you for syncing us with Jesus and moving us from being spiritually dead to spiritually being made alive with Christ. Father, what a gift. Help us to accept that gift and live with that gift each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.